Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. This happened a little over two years ago. I was 21 at the time. I had been promised a good job in my hometown, a very small town on the coast, after graduating college in a bar or cafe that was being opened up. I had about four weeks till I would start and decided to go visit my sister for a week or two till my job started. She lived in a big city, about a five-hour drive away. While staying with her, I called my soon-to-be boss to see if he knew an exact start date for me. Apparently, his co-owner didn't like the idea of someone so inexperienced working in her not-even-open-yet bar and decided I didn't have a job. That would have been nice to know a week ago. My sister suggested that I look for a job here. 
I could stay with her for a few months, save money, and find a place to live. So I did. After getting a job, I began to look on Craigslist for cheap one-bedroom apartments or those looking for a roommate. Most of the people I went to see about rooms were fairly nice, but I either lived farther from my job. Then I liked being new to the city. I didn't realize that at first just by looking at the address. Suddenly reveled hidden little fees that weren't in the ad, and other little things that just didn't fit together. Nothing bad, just not what I was looking for. I was feeling about hopeless when I saw one ad. It sounded perfect. Washer and dryer, large living room, good-sized kitchen with a dishwasher, privet bathroom, back patio and yard, smoking allowed inside, cat's oak, close to my work, and must be luggage pew friendly. The person renting the room was a 55-year-old man. I was slightly out off by that and the lack of photos, but I figured if he made a point to say, must be Elgepec friendly, he was probably gay, and that was okay with me being girl. I called the number and got no answer. I left a voicemail, and about 15 minutes later, I got a call back. He sounded nice, saying his name was Roger. He had a cat, but another cat would be fine if I wanted to bring my with or get a new kitten, and some other basic stuff. He ended by saying, so I, um, you should know that I am a transgender male to female, and I'm gay. He said this is a very nervous voice, as if he were afraid that I would suddenly change my mind on coming to see the place. Of course, I laughed it off, saying that is perfectly fine with me. I'm a lesbian myself. We set up a time for me to come see the place and said our goodbyes. I was slightly confused. I figured after hearing I was a lesbian, he would relax. Instead, he had become more nervous and shy. I didn't know what to think. The day came to meet. It was around 9 p.m. and very dark. My brother-in-law had come with me and we walked up to the apartment together. I was actually surprised that the place was an apartment. The ad and the way the old man talked made the place sound as if it were a house he owned. First red flag. We knocked on the door. I'm not sure what I expected, really. I guess I thought he would either be a very nice, very old-looking man or an older, well-dressed woman, but instead he didn't look that old and was dressed as if he hadn't changed his normal man, looking close in days. If he hadn't have told me, I never would have thought this man to be trans or gay. The first thing he said when opening the door was, you must be her, and who are you? He looked displeased to see someone else with me. I explained it was my brother-in-law and that he was driving me around because I didn't have my truck and my parents were bringing it to me that weekend. Roger didn't seem happy, but welcomed up in, locking the door behind us. He made awkward conversation as I struggled to keep my temper in check. This place was disgusting. He had clutters of magazines, plies of random papers, book and knickknacks all over the tiny living room. The kitchen was filled with dirty dishes and the dishwasher was broken. The washer and dryer were downstairs outside. My privet bathroom was not privet with no lock. Finally, he showed me what would be my bedroom. Again, I wasn't happy. It was filled with his junk. A large cloth rack was in the middle of the room filled with leather jackets of every kind and size. The closet was filled with women's dresses of every color, style, and size. Now, with him being trans, that shouldn't be a red flag, but it was. I had never met a male-to-female trans that didn't know their exact size, perfectly organized their closet, and kept everything clean and well taken care of. He said all the clothing were things he had not yet tried on, and I could be a doll and let him keep his stuff in my room, or he could put them in storage if he must. Yep, red flags. We moved back into the living room when my brother-in-law got a call from my sister. Roger unlocked the door for him to step outside, leaving us alone. I asked a few more simple questions and made small talk. I got him to admit that he had three female roommates before me. All had just suddenly backed their things and left overnight without telling him at first, and he just didn't know why. So he was asking for a 100 deposit as insurance, that I wouldn't do the same. Red flag. 
He said the first girl kept flirting with him whenever her boyfriend wasn't visiting him, and she would leave her door open only wearing a bra, and then she left suddenly. Red flag. The second to the last girl was always getting drunk and sleeping in his bed, then getting angry at him and asking if he was touching her while she slept. Then suddenly she left. Red flag. The last girl out of the blue suddenly felt the need to put a lock on her door. Roger said he wasn't sure why, but I could remove the lock if I wanted because it wasn't needed. The last girl, of course, suddenly left. Biggest red flag ever with cannons going off in background. I was beyond pissed that someone like him was actually trying this crap on me, but I played it off as a shy girl, biting my tongue. He was about to say something else when my brother-in-law came back in. We said goodbye and that I would be in touch. Roger forced me into a hug, placing his hands very sexually on my hips and said softly in my ear, I hope you come home soon, my dear. Now, if you've read my other story would know that I don't respond to danger by being afraid. I get angry. Very angry. I despise being tricked and creeped on. It makes my blood boil. A thousand different plans of action flash through my mind before settling on whispering back, if you ever touch me or contact me again, I will crack your skull open and I will love every moment of it. Then I pulled away and said in my very sweet, polite voice, nice meeting you, Roger. The look on his face told me all. He knew I was serious. It would be lying to say I didn't get a sense of satisfaction and amusement by the look of dumbfounded horror on his face as I walked away. I never heard from or saw him again, and I'm glad for that. But I did learn never trust anyone of Craigslist. I sometimes worry that some dumb, naive girl moved in with him and my not doing so put her in danger. Maybe I should have, but it's whatever. Uh, that guy... bought tickets for a large sum of money to a Stanley Cup Finals game. The tickets were a very good forgery, but they were still a forgery. Then my wife found a whole luxury box for the game that was priced at only about $150 per seat. So we bought the whole box and figured my friends would easily pay $150 to see our team in the luxury box, and it was still way cheaper than we had paid for the forged tickets, if we could get our friends to pay, and if not, we could charge strangers a fortune. StubHub stepped in and said that it was a mistake and the seller had accidentally listed the whole box for the price of a single ticket and didn't want to sell it at that price. Because of their ticket guarantee, StubHub refunded us the amount minus the price to get us four tickets to the game from what was remaining on the site. The dollar amount was almost identical to what we had lost. A few years back, my buddy was trying to sell a sport bike on Craigslist's. He made the post late at night after 11 p.m., and within an hour he gets a guy offering $2 if he can come get it right now. It was listed for $1,600. So knowing that I'd be up late, he calls me for backup. Huh. He tells me the situation, and I'm thinking it sounds sketch as F, but apparently he wasn't concerned until he talked to the potential buyer on the phone and could hear all his boys in the background who were coming with him to check it out. At that point he was worried they were just going to come take his bike or rob him since they already had the address. So here we are, waiting outside at 12.30. One zero a.m. and they arrive, four big beefy dudes in their 20s pile out of an Impala. They kick the tires and shoot the shit for a few minutes. They say they're all in the Navy, there's a base in town, and they all ride except one. This is his first bike, doesn't even have an endorsement yet. So that's why he brought the crew to check it out, people who know what they're looking at. Asks if he can test ride it, my friend says no way. Not until you put the money in my hand but I'll ride it up the street so you can see that it runs. They approve and say they're going to the 8 a.m. and will be back. 
Neither of us figured they would. I mean, have you ever seen someone take $2 out of an atom? There's normally a daily limit well below that. We start thinking they don't want it and aren't coming back, or they're going to come back another time to steal it since they saw where he was keeping at the side porch. Surprisingly, they return after about 15 minutes with, I shit you not, 100 crisp $20 bills and count them out in stacks of $100 right there on the sidewalk. Once the cash is exchanged, one of the buyer's boys tests it out. He is satisfied that everything is working properly. So it turned out surprisingly okay, but it was pretty horrifying every step of the way. We were both convinced that it was a scam or setup every step of the way. If you're going to judge me for meeting a stranger on Craigslist, I'd prefer that you stop reading right now. I live with enough internal judgment as it is. I was 20. I had a used 1999 blue-green Toyota Corolla social anxiety and $19.13 in my bank account. It was the first semester of my junior year at Carleton College, and there were half a dozen get-togethers every weekend that I was running out of excuses to avoid. So I decided that babysitting would be the perfect way to spend my Friday nights. The thought of spending my weekend nights all alone, studying, while making $9 an hour soothed my neurons more than I could possibly say. Don't judge me. You don't know my life. So when I found Amy on Craigslist, everything seemed perfect. Chloe was five, Ivan was in his terrible twos. Get it. After a week of email and text exchanges, I felt like I really knew her. She was 33 years old and a stay-at-home mom who was itching to get back into the workforce. You're perfect, she had disclosed several times via text. Nothing seems sketchy, and if you can't make a leap of faith at least once in a while, doesn't that make for a miserable and empty existence? I was the consummate professional. I had a pantsuit and everything. Yes, I was wearing Converse to a job interview, but it was kid-friendly and I was ready to charm the shit out of those kids. I pulled the Corolla in front of the house at 7.30 p.m. for the aid interview, then sat and stared out the windshield for 20 minutes before walking in 10 minutes early. Because, you know, the anxiety. It was already dark by that time in the Minnesota October, and I slipped my way up the frozen cement walkway in an oversized parka and mittens. I rang the doorbell with my thumb and waited. As I watched my breath rise up in plumes, I imaged all the bad things that might be happening behind that door. I couldn't help it. I was relieved when it finally opened and extremely tense when it wasn't Amy. Unless Amy was a baby face man. Child with a creepy smile. He stared at me, pale-faced, for several awkward seconds. Then his eyes started to gravitate past my neck and toward my chest. Um, I stated awkwardly. His eyes snapped back up to mine, and he offered a delighted smile. Come on in. Um, Amy, she's my aunt, and she's in the back with Chloe and Ivan. I watched the steam rise in front of me as I breathed a sigh of relief. He knew everyone's name. That meant he could be trusted. Right. I walked into the house, past the staircase, and he snapped the door shut behind me. It was a pretty nice place, to be honest. He walked past me deeper inside without offering to take my coat. I waited for a beat, then took it off, looked around, and left it on the floor. I really didn't want to inconvenience anyone by asking where I should put it. I kept the mittens on because my pantsuit had no pockets. Trotting quickly, I followed him into the kitchen. We went through and came out into a living room where he sat down on the couch. He patted the cushions next to him. I froze in place at the thought of sitting next to a stranger. After an uncomfortable silence, I finally addressed the stranger, which I hate doing. So, will I be meeting the kids tonight? I paused because I, um... 
thought I'd be meeting the kids tonight. I was an eloquent speaker. Amy wants you to interview with me, he said in voice that tried to be smooth but was just creaky. He licked his lips. I have to pee, I announced chipperly. Which way? The man? Child looked genuinely confused. Hmm. It's the room with the toilet in it. This raised an alarm. One of the very uncomfortable things about social anxiety is knowing that there is sometimes legit. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Admit anxiety that needs to be separated from the things that my friends see to placate me. Do you know that feeling you get when you're about to encounter an ex who you're totally over but not really? For the first time in months, knowing that he'll be showing up with another woman? Combine that with looking over the edge of a three-story roof while watching a kid faceplant on the concrete and knocking out his front teeth. That's the level of anxiety that consumes me when I can't control it. I couldn't control it in that moment. I tried to think of something to say, but just gave up and walked out of the living room. The bathroom is the sanctuary of the anxiety-stricken, so I darted my face all around the house in search of one. My eyes landed on a hallway lined with photos, so I headed in that direction with the hopes that it would lead me out of sight. I was walking through the hallway when I stopped. The photos on the wall were all the same family. They didn't look much like the man, child at all. A couple who looked to be in their 60s was featured in everyone. They were probably 20 years past childbearing age with flecks of white in their hair. Both were thin and black, which stood in stark contrast to the round-faced, pale man-child in the living room. Three children appeared in various photos with them, all of whom were in their late teens. I thought about the living room. There were no toys. Chloe is five. I looked to the blank white fridge. There were no drawings stuck to its surface. Ivan is two. There was no baby gate at the staircase. You're perfect. And that's when my anxiety went into overdrive. I would have had to go past the living room to exit through the front door, so instead I turned and trotted down the hall. I thought that I heard man, child stand up, but I wasn't interested in sticking around long enough to find out how much of it was my own imagination. I emerged into a small room with tall vases on the floor that's kid-friendly and realized I was at the end of the house. There was no back door. I tried to open the window, but it was locked. I fumbled with the hitch. I couldn't use my fingers with the mittens binding them and was unable to open it. My panicked mind told me I don't have time to take off the mittens, while I definitely heard a man. Child walking through the house and I finally grasped the hitch, and it slowly spun around until the window was unlocked, and I pushed and pushed and pushed until it finally opened in a whoosh of cold air. I climbed into the frosty night, 
but my converse caught something on the way out. I don't know if it was the sill or if it was a hand. I tumbled onto the ground, lay still for half a second, and scrambled to my feet. This was the backyard. I was still far away from my car. Shit. I ran around the side of the house, trying to stay quiet. Instead, I knocked over a trash barrel. A cat screamed, Damn it. As I moved forward, the Corolla began to emerge in the distance, and I started running toward it. That was a mistake. Man, was that ground icy. Who knew that a tailbone could hurt so much when it hit the floor? I got up and walked briskly, my feet sliding every which way along the frozen concrete as I approached my car. My hands were rattling from cold nerves and pain. I tried to get my key through the lock, but it wouldn't go in. Tears streaming, I pinched the tip, aimed it at the keyhole, and forced it. Goddamn value edition Corolla with no remote locks? I opened the door, threw myself in, started the car, and peeled away without waiting for the engine to warm up. Three blocks away, I was about ready to give myself permission to cry. The sensation of wrongness hit me then, but it took a second to understand why my spatial orientation was off. There wasn't supposed to be a head in the back seat reflecting from the rearview mirror. I screamed and turned the car toward a tree. The crash wasn't bad, but the airbags deployed. Given the speed I'd been going, it didn't hurt any worse than my tailbone did. I pushed open the car, dropped to the ground, and threw up. Once my gut was clear, I sprinted into the woods and hid in the shadow. After five minutes had passed, I was about ready to admit that I'd imagined the head in the mirror. I stood up and took one step forward when the rear, driver's side door opened. A shadow stepped out, slammed the door behind it, and walked away down the road. Two hours passed before the fear of hypothermia finally coaxed me from my hiding spot. I had left my parka in the house. I never told the police about the man in my car. Who would have believed me? Facing the inevitable skepticism was more than I could bear. I said that a cat had run in front of me and that I'd steered toward the tree in an attempt to avoid it. My anxiety had forced me to plan ten, yes, ten, contingency stories for the police if they asked too many of the wrong questions. In the end, though, they simply decided that my car was safe to drive, flipped their notebook into a pocket, and left. I drove straight to my dorm room and stayed there until classes resumed on Monday. I peed in a Gatorade bottle because I was afraid to open the door. My borderline anorexia stormed past its threshold, and I actually felt better skipping meals for three days. I told myself that it was better to keep secrets. That no one would believe me. That even if someone did, it wouldn't do any good. So there was no risk worth seeming crazier than I already was. It helped me to sleep at night for 13 days. At the end of October, a woman named Catherine Ann Olson tried to meet Amy from Craigslist for a babysitting gig. Amy wasn't real, but Michael John Anderson was. He murdered Catherine when she arrived. He'd been planning it for some time. Michael will spend the rest of his life in jail, God willing. It's impossible to forgive myself for keeping my story a secret. The knowledge that I was so close to dying and saving someone else in doing so has set fire to every nerve in my body. I had to drop out of school I was never able to drop back in. That night has shattered my life. Paranoia, fear, and guilt are as omnipresent as sound and light. In a way, I'll spend the rest of my life in jail, too. A few years back when I was in college, I was selling the previous semester's required books on Craigslist. I was a college student, so I definitely needed whatever cash I could make from them. Anyways, I got a few offers, but they never went through, and at this point I was getting pretty desperate. 
I had to sell those books as soon as possible because the authors would usually release a new edition every year or so. I get this text message from a person who says they wants to buy all my books. I simply assumed the individual was going for the same certificate as me and required the same books for those professors. Looking back, I was a complete idiot. At first, this person wanted to meet up at my place. I was desperate, but not completely stupid. I instantly objected and offered a more suitable location, such as the campus. The person said they lived in the opposite direction and said it would be preferable if we could meet halfway. I figured it was another poor college student who couldn't spend much on gas. I agreed and sent a location that seemed to be public enough, a gas station. I didn't know the area. I requested we meet anytime from 12 p.m., 3 p.m. simply because I had night classes to study for and attend at 7 p.m. I also don't like meeting up with strangers nearing dusk or night. The day of, I get about 10 texts from the person, constantly apologizing that they can't make it in that time frame, and beg me to meet at 5.30 p.m. I genuinely felt bad for the individual and accepted, even though it was cutting close to both my class and not wanting to deal in the night. It was getting dark around 6 p.m. during that. I end up driving the 20 minutes to get to the gas station, and I arrive a little early, around 5.15. I was reviewing some notes for class, and then I get a text. Hey, I can't make it to our meetup spot. Can we meet here instead? I looked on my map, and it was an auto body repair shop that stayed open until 8 p.m. I figured why not, but noticed it was another 10 minutes out. I told him yes and drove out there. Now I didn't know the area we were meeting in, but it had a ton of one-way streets and back alleys. Creep me out to the max. I arrive at the destination, only to find out that it was in the alley behind the shop. Not only that, but it was on a one-way street, nighttime, and located in a not-so-good neighborhood. I text this person asking where they are, and that I'm going to be late for class. No response. I didn't receive a response until another ten minutes later. All the text said was almost there. At this point, I'm beyond ticked off and just focused on checking how bad traffic was to get back. I received a ton more texts from the person saying, almost there, almost there. It was at that point where a completely blacked out SUV rolls up coming down the street from the wrong way, with headlights completely off. All the windows were completely tinted with at least 75% window tinting. I panicked a little inside, until I saw the four people in hoodies get out. Then I panicked even more. All I had in my mind was to get the heck out of there. I couldn't go forward because their SUV was blocking the road in front of me. I freaking threw the car into reverse and floored it out of there. Once I got to the T-intersection of that street, I looked at them for a split second and they just stood there with hoods hanging over their eyes. I figured it wasn't worth the risk of $100 and just left. Needless to say, I left knowing for next time to 1. Bring another individual. 2. Never meet at night, regardless of your or their circumstances. 3. Meet in a well-known area or do your research. 4. Don't risk your life some extra chain. When I first graduated massage school, I was hard up for money and decided to advertise on Craigslist's, despite my teachers repeatedly warning against that very thing. But I'm a male, so I figured it'd be fine. I was pretty explicit about not offering sexual services. Dude named Charlie messaged me and arranged for a 90-min deep tissue at 9 p.m. on a Friday. He also requested a pic, Big Red Flag. When I asked why, he said it wasn't anything creepy. He just wanted to be able to identify me when I arrived, for safety reasons. I was like, well, I guess that makes sense. His house was also within throwing distance of my school, and he claimed he'd gotten student massages there. I show up that Friday. Charlie instructed me to enter through the side door that led into his basement. I see him peeking through the blinds as I approach. 
I'm getting weirded out already, but I did bring a knife, so I steal myself and enter his home. Charlie is balding, middle-aged, bug-eyed, and smiles like an anthropomorphic spider. I do not like this. His basement is wood-paneled, which brings to mind just so many seas from the 80s about stranger danger. There's a motorized wheelchair in one corner. He ushers me into the house. Basement is being remodeled, and the massage will take place in a bedroom at the very rear. In the hallway, my heart nearly implodes as I see a heavyset woman with thick glasses and stringy hair staring at me. She is using a cane. I try my warmest smile and introduce myself. She just stares mutely. Charlie quickly guides me away from her into the bedroom, as if she's a temperamental dog that might bite. I ask to use the restroom. The bathroom down here isn't finished yet. Okay, can I go upstairs then? No. I probably should have just left right then, but I really needed money and figured maybe this couple was just a little weird and I was being paranoid. I set up my table and get Charlie situated. Should not have been surprised when he stripped all the way down. And he asks if he can watch Dancing with the Stars while I work on him. I try not to laugh. Tell him to go ahead. Dude is clearly a repressed homosexual who married an angry beard. Eff it, I'll give him his massage. Get paid and go. As long as he doesn't make a move on me, no big deal. I spend the majority of the 90 minutes on his legs, which is a bizarre request, but I was still a noob and he explained that he ran marathons. Towards the end, he gets annoyed and says, I think that's enough work on my legs now. He asks if I will work on his abdomen. This is also pretty rare in our field. He says he lost several hundred pounds over the past few years and heard that regular massage can help with the excess skin. This is true, but requires daily massage in conjunction with lots of other things. Reluctantly, I agree. Five minutes later, I see the sheet begin to lift. Dude pops a tent. My first professional massage and I am now confronted with my worst fear, a raging boner. I just kept glancing at it for a while, as if I didn't quite believe it was real. Finally, I snap out of it and stop the massage. Hey man, that's gotta stop or we're done here. Charlie looks confused. He glances from the TV to me, to his boner. Oh, that's... that's me. Hmm, yeah. I don't know what that means. Did you think your dick was possessed? I tell him it's fine. Perfectly natural response, but that he needed to calm down because I was not a sex worker. He blushed and apologized, and we just went ahead and ended the massage there. He paid me the full amount, and I packed up to leave. I wasn't five minutes out the door before I get text message asking if he can schedule a two-hour undraped massage next week. As in, fully nude and exposed in all his glory. I politely declined.